invite you to take your copy of God's Word and turn to Isaiah 54. Isaiah 54. As we talk about what God has for us in this new year, as we prepare ourselves for this new year as well. Now, I hope some of you got some rest after you saw the new year in last night. A few of you, many of you stayed up. Let me find just a minute. Where is he? There's Dale. Bud, would you lean back every now and then and poke him or so? Or Jackie, you may have, Justin, you may have to do it for him. I received a text from him at 12.20 a.m. last, uh, this morning, actually. Just wishing me a happy new year, reminding me he was the only staff member that was old enough to stay up past midnight or so. <laughs> Didn't read his text until this morning, but I want you to give him an extra push there. The sharps, y'all, the bud, any of you around, if you see him nodding just a little bit, I don't want to put that responsibility on Sedale. She has so much to do anyway with him, so you can just kind of poke him as he stays up. I, I hope and pray that your new year has begun well this morning. And I pray that God would move among us this year, that we would see a special manifestation of his presence, that we would see his power magnified within his body here at Temple Baptist Church. I'm convinced that he is going to do something. I am convinced that he is going to show his glory, that he is going to show his favor upon us. We've seen it before. We give thanks to him for what he has done. Listen, we stop today and we thank him as a church and as a people for the blessings that he poured out upon us last year. We should thank him. We should praise him that he has been involved in the ministry here at Temple Baptist Church, that he has empowered us, that we have seen good and wonderful things. But we also should look forward to things that are bigger, that are better. We should know that with the God of hope that we serve, that there is something that is out there every day. There's that possibility of God's movement, of God's blessing upon us. And we should live in that type of expectation daily. I want you to hear the words of Isaiah as he speaks. This is what he says. He says, Sing, O barren, you who have not born. Break forth into singing and cry aloud. You who have not labored with child." For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the places of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and to the left. And your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Do not fear. For you will not be ashamed. Neither be, be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame. For you will forget the shame of your youth and will not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. For your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And your redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He is called the God of the whole earth. Now listen to Isaiah. He speaks to his audience and he says to them, he says, I want you to sing those of you who have experienced barrenness. Now, how strange does that seem? How strange of a command that is given by this prophet that you would sing, that you would celebrate, that you would break forth into some type of praise, even though you are experiencing barrenness 
in your life. He says, even though you're going through this moment of difficulty, and and in so many ways, you're experiencing this cultural stigma around. He says, I want you to praise. I want to encourage you today as we think about this passage, as we think about going into this new year, I want you to think about entering it with a sense of praise. Now think of this just a moment. Here they are encouraged to praise, as I said, in the moment of barrenness. In the Old Testament, in Jewish mindset in particular, if someone was barren, it, it was almost as if God had turned against them. And now, unfortunately, listen to me, unfortunately, there was this stigma that was placed upon barrenness of not being able to produce children. In so many ways, the Jewish mind had come up with this idea that God had not shown his favor upon these individuals. So here you are walking around culture. You're walking around the religious elite who have somehow formulated this theology this, I think, faulty theology. But they had formulated this thought that somehow God was against you. God was not showing his favor to you. You were not being blessed, thus God, well, God had an issue with you. That was the idea of barrenness. And now again, with that background, think of Isaiah coming to a person like that and saying, Hey, I want you to praise. I want you to sing, I want you to worship, even though you are experiencing barrenness. See how strange that would be? It would be like somebody coming to us in a sense of loss. And uh, when we have gone through some of the most difficult days of our lives, and somebody is saying to us, you know what, all you got to do, you just got to sing. You sing, you praise, you'll see transformation. Most of us would look like them and look at them and say, you know, there's a time to sing, there's a time to praise. This is not the time. It's not appropriate right now. Just just not now. But Isaiah says, those of you who find yourself in this situation, he says, sing, praise. Now, I understand as I look at this passage that I believe his primary audience would be the Jewish people as they've experienced captivity in Babylon. He's speaking to those individuals in Babylon in particular, those who had gone through a time of bondage and slavery. Why had they gone through this moment? Well, they had gone through this barrenness because of their own choice. That's explicitly demonstrated in this passage. Because of the people's choice, because they had turned against God, because they had rebelled against Him, God had allowed Babylon to come in and discipline them. And God does do that from time to time. He will discipline His children. He will discipline us. Again, even though when we're going through that moment of discipline, even though we go through it, we don't always think about praising God in those moments, do we? Listen, when my mom got out the switch, I was not praising God. I did not break out into the doxology. No, I did not. If I thought it would have helped me, I would have. If I thought it would have lessened the discipline, maybe. I was not. I love that song this morning, Jeremy, but I was not singing Sweet, Sweet Spirit at the moment. 
It doesn't seem to make sense to those of us who go through difficulties. Even when sometimes we've brought those difficulties upon ourselves, we still don't think about praising and singing. So why would Isaiah... Why would Isaiah come to the people and say, Sing, break out in song, praise God. Why would he do this? Because... Isaiah understood, Isaiah knew that God was about to do something. God was about to show up. God was about to demonstrate his strength. God was about to effect the release of his people. God was about to do something new and exciting and powerful. You know what's awesome? is to know that when we go through some of the difficulties, some that maybe we just go through because of the way this world is wired, some of it because of the decisions that we've made, certainly. But you know what is great about everyday life for us? It is to know that we have a God who sits on the throne, and there is a God who has something better prepared for every one of us and wants to be involved intimately in our lives and use our lives for His glory. I think that's incredible. I think it's awesome to know that, yes, I may go through this valley. I may even go through a moment of discipline. Yes, God may discipline me. But I know that my God loves me in some way. And my God is concerned about my welfare, my benefit. He is going to work for His glory and for my good. And if that is the case, then I know I can sing and I can praise even in the moments of barrenness. God is going to move. That is what Isaiah says. Isaiah says, those, understand, you who have not labored with child, well, you are far more the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman. He basically says, there is greater blessing, even though you cannot see it yet. There will be greater blessing in your life as a nation, as a people, than even the Babylonians would have known. Different people have tried to Interpret this about children, not laboring. One of the great scholars of the day, one of my favorite commentators, especially on the Old Testament, he, he, he said that could have been that the children who were lost during the great battles, you know, that it was as though they didn't have any children left because of what Babylon had done. And even earlier, as the northern kingdom had been destroyed by Assyria, it was as though they were just desolate and barren. That could be the case here. But I think this is just a, a general statement about a nation who's experienced difficulty and loss, a nation who has now worn the stigma of barrenness itself. It's as though God had turned against them. The other nations look and they make fun of this nation whose God allowed them to go into this moment. And yet... And yet, Isaiah says, sing and praise. Now, I'm not suggesting to you that we've been through moments of barrenness. I, I just said a moment ago, we are a pretty blessed people in many ways. Even as a church, we have been incredibly blessed in so many different ways. But I do believe 
that the God that I serve is a God who will move among his people, a God who will inhabit the praise of his people, a God who will work through his people. And as I approach 2017, as I said earlier, I believe God is going to do even greater things through his people. Let me say this to you. If I did not believe that God was going to work in a great and wonderful way here at Temple Baptist Church, I will tell you that I would announce my resignation this morning. I'm not doing that, by the way. (laughs) Don't go away and tell him, I heard he's resigning. But I'm saying to you, if I didn't believe, if I did not believe that God was active within his people, if I didn't believe that God was going to somehow work through us this year and do something incredible and great, I I ought to just resign and walk off and find me another place to serve. I'm not just here, and you're not just here, to simply manage, manage the everyday activities. We're not here just to take care of the fish already in the aquarium, right? We're not here just for that. We're thankful we have the family of God. Listen, I know of no other day... Or no other place I'd rather be on this day than with my family. And you are my family. The people of God. But I will say to you, it's not just about who we are and what's here. It's about what God wants to do among us and through us in this community, in this world. And we must have that sense of expectation as we move into 2017 that God is going to move. And we ought to shout and we ought to praise him now for what he is going to do. I praise him for what he has done, but I praise him for even greater days that God has prepared for us as a people. We praise him as we begin this new year because of what God will and can do among his people. He was about to do a new work for the, for the children of Israel there in Babylon. He was about to effect their release. He was about to give them freedom and bring them back to their land. So look in verse 2 at what he says to do. Verse 1, he says, basically praise, worship, sing, break forth in this song. Verse 2, he says, enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and to the left. And your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Listen to what Isaiah says. Isaiah says you ought not to just praise the Lord for what he's going to do. You ought to prepare yourselves for what he's going to do. That's what he says. He says just prepare yourselves. He says enlarge the place of your tent. Make your tent bigger. Why? Because... In verse 3, he said, you will expand to the right and the left. Your descendants will inherit the nations. He says, basically, using the same imagery, the same motif, the same theme, he says, those of you who are barren, you are about to experience an influx of descendants and children. You're going to see the blessing of God in your life. He says, you get ready for that. You, You start sowing, ladies, so that you can add other rooms to your tent. You make sure that you have everything prepared. Because once again, those descendants are going to move into desolate cities. Well, after 
the Assyrians had attacked the north after Babylon had come in and basically crushed the southern kingdom of Judah. There were many cities across Israel that were literally desolate. Jerusalem itself, in so many ways, had been laid waste. Now God says, I'm about to inhabit those cities again. The people are going to come once again, and they're going to settle down there. He says, understand that, so prepare yourselves. Again, he uses this idea of enlarging the tent. So most of us can maybe apply that or at least think through it in this way. When you have a few more children, sometimes you need more room, right? Sometimes you do. When we were in Zachary, we had just, of course, had Ainsley some time ago, and it was fine for a little while. She was sleeping in the same room as Abigail, and the boys were sleeping. Wait, let me, let me come back just a minute. When they were younger, this will embarrass them probably, but when they were, I don't care anymore. They know that. When, when they were younger, they just all slept in the same room. They just, I, I mean, they had other rooms. The boys could have gone, but they just all slept in the same room. One would be over here on the floor, one would be over here in this, one would be... They just loved to kind of stay in the same room. Right before I came to Temple, I was settled down in Zachary. I understand that. I was there for my life. <laughs> and Leslie and I were looking for a house. I think we had just made a visit or two to a house right about the time Dwight Anderson called me. And... Uh, after talking to Dwight, I wasn't sure I was still coming to Temple. So we kept looking for a house or so. You can read into that whatever you want to read into it. I don't... We were still in... Because we were thinking we need to get a, few, a little more space and maybe another room. Leslie said we needed another... I said, baby, they, we, we need to downsize. We need only two bedrooms. They all sleep in the same room. Let's just downsize. She's like, that's not going to last forever. Just know... As they've grown older, certainly, seems like you'd need a little more space, a little more room that's there. That's the simple message that he's saying here. He says, you're going to have more children. Basically, there's going to be blessing in your life. That's the imagery that's being used here. And he says, you need to prepare yourselves. You need to go out and you need to well, you need to add some rooms to the tent. You can do that easily. Go ahead and sew those goatskins together, put you a curtain in. You're going to have more. He says, you go ahead and you do that. Let them stretch out the curtains. He says, because of that also, you'll have to lengthen your cords. You'll have to drive greater stakes down because you'll have to make sure that it is strong enough to hold this new, well, this new construction that you've been involved in. He said, you've got to do all the necessary preparation because I'm about to do something. We praise God for what he is going to do. I also believe that we ought to prepare ourselves for what he is going to do among us. And again, we don't just start this on the first day of the year. Hopefully, we have been preparing ourselves. 
Hopefully we will continue to prepare ourselves. Hopefully we will live daily as though he is going to work in our lives and in our people. And we're going to prepare. Sometimes it could be physical preparation. Physical preparation that we make. You heard Ben a moment ago mention the youth moving to the chapel this Wednesday night. Why are they doing that? Because beginning this week, there will be a renovation in upstairs in the youth area. There's going to be a renovation that will take probably about six months or so. Why are we doing that? Well, yes, we've seen blessing. We've seen increased numbers. But you know why we're also doing that? Is we believe that God will continue to bless his people, bless the youth ministry in particular here, and that we'll continue to see growth there. We've got to do that. Can you imagine for us to just sit around and say, no, uh, you know, we really don't think we're going to grow there. What did I say earlier to you? If I did not believe that God was going to work in our midst, then I would go find another place. And you know what? If you truly believe that this was all it was, that God wasn't going to do anything else among us as a people, you ought to find a place where God is working. But you see, I believe with all my heart the assurance of God and His presence among us that He is going to continue to work. And we want to prepare ourselves. Sometimes it can be a physical preparation. Hey, just the logistics. I was out of the office some this week. I got a few emails from Ben because he's been working at the, on the mission stuff. Looking at the calendar, we have to make those preparations for missions, right? If we're going to be what we're supposed to do, and do what we're supposed to do, and be the people we're supposed to be, if keep going, we've got to make the preparations. We've got to prepare ourselves. But not just practically, we've got to prepare ourselves spiritually. I don't know if you can tell this, but I'm, I'm pretty pumped up about the next few weeks and the year. I'm excited. Maybe because this week I had some time to stop and reflect. Uh, some of the staff, they like to know what direction I'm going in with my messages and so that they can prepare adequately on their side. So it seemed like every time I had stopped the last few weeks, something had come up and I had not been able to finish my schedule and what I was looking at and put the time in on it. So this week I told Leslie... Or I asked Leslie, I said, if you drive to Mississippi, I mean, when I get into God's country, there's got to be some inspiration somewhere along the way. And I'll go ahead and I'll just, I'll just try to knock some of this out. I've been reading and looking. I know what direction I'm going in. What was it? About two days ago, I sent the next five months worth, something like that, Jeremy, maybe you got because this year we want to prepare ourselves in three distinct areas. The staff, we, we talked about this some months ago and we prayed about these. These three emphases that we want to have this coming year. We want to pray. We want to give. We want to witness. Dale made a statement to me some months ago when we were going through our 90th celebration. And he said to me, the, the things that... Temple Baptist Church wanted to be known for as they had reflected, they had reflected on history, they had studied, is that they wanted to be known 
is a praying church and a giving church and a witnessing church. Those are three great pillars for any church. Praying. Giving. And I'm not talking about just financially. Some of you are saying, let me find out when he's going to do that and I'm going to check out for those few months. May go out west for a little while. I'm not talking about just financially. I'm talking about giving ourselves, giving our time, giving who we are. Recognizing that God is the greatest giver. And the way he has given to us his son. And then to witness and to share and to tell people about Christ Jesus and what he's done in our lives to be those kind of people. So the next few months, I'll be preaching on those things. Next month, I'm going to kick off this sermon series on prayer that's going to take us to May. We need to prepare ourselves. Because, yes, I believe that we ought to do the practical things, just as he says here. But I recognize that we can put, we, we can build all the tents, we can expand the curtains, but without God's presence descending upon us and empowering us, we'll never know the great and glorious things that God has prepared for us. Ezekiel chapter 37, one of my favorite passages. It's a picture of the dry bones. Remember? It also speaks about the Babylonian captivity, basically. As Ezekiel is writing, he says to Ezekiel, Look out, you see the valley of dry bones? And they are dry. They're dry. That means there's really no hope. The battle's been over for some time. They are dusty, dry bones. God looks at Ezekiel and says, Do you think these bones can live? And I love the way Ezekiel responds. He says, Oh God, you're the one who knows that. And it says, all of a sudden, bone comes to bone. There's this, there's this rattling in the graveyard, right? And bone comes to bone, sinew to sinew, tendon to tendon, muscle, the skin itself. And it's as though this army has been created. They put all these different things together. But what I've always noted about that passage is they had the skin, they had the bones, they had everything that, you, that would look to you as a human being. And yet they still didn't live. Not until God's breath came into them. Not until the Spirit of God indwelled them. And then they became a mighty army once again. I say to you, we prepare ourselves, but we prepare ourselves knowing that it is God who must work among us through His Spirit. We must be dependent upon that. And we ought to have faith that He's going to do great things. He says, do not spare. In other words, how great is your faith on this? Are you going to add about 13 more rooms to the tent? Are you going to recognize that, that this God, who is the God of all blessing, is the God who wants to work in your lives? Do not spare. Lengthen the cords. Well, he says, you praise. He said, you prepare, and then you proceed. Look in verse 4. 
Do not fear. I mentioned this last week. But you see that you see that phrase all throughout Scripture, do you not? I think I made mention that Rick Warren says that it occurs somewhere around 365 times in Scripture. So there's one do not fear for every day of the week. Or every day of the year, I'm sorry. But you think about it. Do not fear. Why would they be so afraid? Well, they even say here, they're afraid that they're going to experience shame again. They're going to be, they're, they're afraid that they're going to repeat the past. They're going to mess up again. They're afraid of maybe just the future uncertainty. They're afraid that, well, what if? What if God doesn't come through like we think? If we're honest with ourselves, fear can paralyze us as well. When we start out and we look at our future, we think of some uncertain things. And fear can grip us. We can look around and we can, we can think about how we've messed up in the past. And we say, well, 2017, you know, I'm probably just, it's going to be bad. I'm going to mess up again. Well, you know what? We all fall short of the glory of God. But thanks be to him that his grace is greater than our sins. And our future is not just based on what I can do and what you can do. Future is based upon who God is and what he wants to do in our lives. Don't allow fear to paralyze you. Don't look and think about all the what-ifs. He says, do not fear. He says, you simply proceed the way I've told you. You you do what I've asked you to do. You praise. You prepare. Don't fear. You proceed. Because, verse 5, your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He is called the God of the whole earth. He says, you don't have to fear because you have a relationship with the God of heaven. He uses the same type, the same analogy. He says, he is your husband. You have entered into a wonderful relationship with God. Remember, he's talking to the people of God. He says, you've entered into this relationship. In the New Testament, how is the church described? As the bride of Christ. We are the bride of Jesus Christ. We have this intimacy with him. And because of that, we don't have to fear. Because not only do we have the intimacy, but this is the Lord of hosts. He is the Lord of all armies. He is the Lord who will fight our battles themselves. Later on, in verse 17 of this chapter, Isaiah says, No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. It's just an affirmation again. I am God. I am on your side. And the weapons of the enemy will not succeed 
Not against me. Not against my people. Because I am God. You know, in the first 39 chapters of Isaiah, you find a lot of hope. Well, you find a lot of actually uh, judgment. It has been called, those 39 chapters, called the book of judgment. Chapters 40 through 66 often have been labeled the book of comfort, the book of hope. In the first 39 chapters, Isaiah reminds the people of God that discipline is on their way. The last few chapters, basically Isaiah says, God's got a plan. God still loves you. And God is going to renew you and bring restoration. Don't fear. Don't fear. But rather, proclaim. Proclaim that he is the God of all the earth. Notice this in that last verse I read, verse 5. He is called the God of the whole earth. His power is not just limited to a geographical territory. He is not just the God of Israel. He's not just the God that we experience here in the United States. He's not just the God of South America. He's not just the God of... He is the God of the whole earth. You don't have to fear. But rather you have to, or you should, proclaim this God to all. Do you believe that God is going to continue to work within His people? Do you believe that our God has a plan and a purpose for Temple Baptist Church? Do you believe that through His mighty strength, through His Spirit alone... As we prepare, as we do what we are asked to do, but only ultimately through His power, do you believe that we can sense and see greater days ahead? I hope and pray you do. And I hope that you would join with me on this new year, on this first day of this new year. You would join with me and that you would ask God's presence that you would ask God's presence to be manifest throughout our congregation and our people. And that today we would praise Him, not just for what He's done, but we'll go ahead and begin to praise Him for what He's going to do. That today in this place we will commit ourselves to prepare, not just physically and practically, but we will prepare ourselves spiritually for His movement within our own personal lives. That today... We will not allow anything to intimidate us, to bring fear upon us, but we will march with the Lord of hosts and we will see his work accomplished in 2017. Would you hear God's word this day? And would you respond in an absolute surrender, complete faith today? Let's pray. Father. Thank you for your word. Thank you for a specific message that you gave to a specific people so many hundreds of years ago. How you used it then to encourage and bless, motivate and challenge. 
But God, thank you for being strong enough to take your word and also applying it to our hearts now and using it to challenge us. Father, I pray that this is a day not just of resolution, but a day of commitment, a day of hope, a day of looking for what you have for us. And God, when we leave this place, may we as believers, may we respond in faith and in trust, looking to what you are going to continue to do in our lives. Father, move among your people in particular here. Revive us, renew us. And Lord, as that pours out, Lord, across this room and across this community and beyond, Lord, would your name be glorified, lifted up, so that others would come and commit their lives to you, the good news that you've brought through Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you. We praise you today. In his name, we ask these things. Amen.